obviously a bike. Well, it's not in your bag. <laughs> You're riding the bike. You said the uh, one thing that was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. Okay, I'll start over. What's up, Polo people? Welcome to this week's edition of the North Sides Polo Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin, here, same as always, with my friends and teammates, Liam. Hey, yo. And Alex. Hey, what's up? And we got an awesome game for you guys. We're going to play it right now. Alex, I'm going to name a bunch of players. You're going to tell me, are they elite or are they trash? Let's oh, I love started. it. I'm in. No I'm in. I'm in. Gavin, hot trash. <laughs> we're only joking we wouldn't do that that would end terribly i'm staying out of this yeah that would end bad. but anyways no so for, in all seriousness though there's no news this week it's like two feet of snow outside my window so we're not uh, yeah. gonna talk about polo yeah. news okay so alex actually had a really cool idea for something he wants to see bike polo fantasy at our next major tournament just another thing we have to look forward to alex what is your idea here how's this going to work I mean, that, that is kind of the idea is how, how are we going to make this work? Because if you play a lot of fantasy sports, like your big conventional sports, people code fantasy things to, or fantasy websites to be able to actually, you can just input the score of like, if you want to follow a football thing or a football league or whatever, if you have your own baseball team or game or tournament, um, there's all these templates that already exist for those things. Mm-hmm. And there are some universal templates. Like back when I was doing some esports stuff, League of Legends had a big fantasy thing. And then that kind of, disappeared and imploded on itself and there's definitely a lot of open format uh fantasy things where you can input you can basically input different values for different things and you can track scores but the big question is what do you want to prioritize because often what i find for fantasy like if you play a lot of fantasy sports what's good in fantasy isn't necessarily what's good in the actual game the perfect example is like in in like soccer or something someone that scores a goal might be better than someone who's just on the field who is a better like plus minus or there's, there's lots of different it all comes down to how you calculate it not necessarily what's best at the game so the real question is what would you want to see the priority be on for bike polo would you draft a team would you draft players like the big question is like how do you how would you make that work <laughs> we call those empty calorie stats those are like your top fantasy <laughs> athletes that like aren't actually producing wins those are empty calorie players I, I like to think that we would give a certain amount of points in bike polo fantasy for like time spent in net. Like if someone's playing goalie for their team and they're not getting scored on, like if you're, if you're playing back, you get like a certain amount of points per like minute in net in a game or something like that. Oh, hell yeah. I'd be good at that. <laughs> like you got to have redeem. You got to have these redeeming stats in there so that someone that is a good rotational player is still putting up numbers. Cause I, I hate it when the MVP scores like no points in fantasy, even though they set up every single play. How did they do it at Halo meme? Cause I remember they had the fantasy board. I think it was just uh, goals, right? Like you would, there was a huge whiteboard and you would go after every game and you would write how many goals you scored. So I guess that was the only metric they were, they were looking at. Yeah. So Halo meme was really cool. They did, uh, they did a fantasy thing. And I think they did probably the only way you could do it logistically which was when you signed up, you got three, you pulled three player names out of a hat. That was your team. And then you tracked how many goals your team scored in each of their games. 
and that deter- whoever had the most whoever's three people had the most goals at the end of the weekend uh won the fantasy but it was also i think it worked out because it was self i mean you had to track yourself yeah there was no there was no one responsible for like keeping track of how many goals every yeah. person scored obviously <laughs> but, but i would love for like if if the next time when we come back from pandemic the next time we have a big live streamed bike polo tournament be that worlds or na's or something i would love to have a, to run a fantasy bracket for it for everyone that's what? not able to be in attendance um i, I just i want to draft like i want to pick up uh i want to pick up some of these different players i want to get mosquito on the fantasy team you know i think they're i feel like people underrate them even though they're but maybe not they're the reigning champions now you know your team would be all mosquito players let's be honest yeah hey, sean marsh would have put up insane numbers of this year's na's if you drafted him on your fantasy plan team. b yeah oh no Mosquito, right. I'm thinking of worlds, man. Yeah. Ten was last like long time ago. Forever ago. If you if you if you first pick uh from worlds, who like who do you first pick? Do you do you just grab Morgan? Or do you think Dodie's a better a better like I feel like Morgan wouldn't produce that many points unless unless you stack the goaltender. What well, right? are block shots a category, right? If you include I, they should, I think they should be saves should be a category. Like but even you, then, like the Mongrels forecheck is so strong that there's not that many shots against, honestly. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you count shots taken for points? Do you think, or is that not a good stat? It doesn't speak well to your efficiency if you're taking a lot of shots and not scoring many goals. I feel like goals is that is the right stat yeah. there. I, think I like goal, goals and assists. Goals, assists, and block shots or saves. If it, but that'd be hard to judge. I also think you should lo- you should it. lose points for um, penalties if you get a turnover. Like, uh, well, why not? Why not make that a category it? of its own? And you, and you have your penalty fantasy. That'd <laughs> Who be you good. It's going to get the most penalty box or penalty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a lot that of fun. We have to kind of brainstorm the different stat categories. I know, like in a lot of fantasy sports, they do kind of you get your stat accumulation, and that equals to so many fantasy points, and the team with mm-hmm. the most fantasy points wins. In other sports, like in um, basketball, they're category leagues. So there might be nine different stat categories that you're keeping track of. And then you want to win the majority of the stat categories. So if you win rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks and turnovers, then, um, you know, you win even if the other person scored way more points than your team, because that's only one category in that situation, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. Maybe that might be a better way, but we'd have to come up with a lot more categories and I think some of those categories would be worth more than other categories. And when I'm thinking about it, honestly, if anyone has any ideas on a category they think should be included, definitely send us an email because th- this is something I want to, I want to put the time in. Let's put the, the, the brainstorm session ahead of time now. So that when Polo, comes I'd, uh, back, I'd want to track off, uh, off court things. Like how many beers did they drink? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe crashes on the court. I think it'd be fun to include Echo multiplier. Like, a heckle multiplier. Yeah, yeah heckle, heckle, multiplier. heckle multiplier. Yeah, most heckles. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's the real stuff people want to know. In uh, League of Legends Fantasy, they did a thing where you could get uh, flat bonus points if certain requirements were met. I love the idea of like whoever had the best heckle of the game. That's just like a flat five point bonus or something. I feel like there's definitely a good um, Northside Polo podcast bingo fantasy. It's like Alex brings up esports, Gavin <laughs> um, talks about basketball, Liam mentions being in the net. <laughs> like, we talk know. about we talk about Halloween. That's one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every that single time. Halloween is the the center square you get for free every episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah bringing up Ashwin. That could be a fun game. 
That'd be hilarious. I mean, I'd love to see someone come up with that. But yeah, if you're listening, you have ideas for fantasy bike polo and you want to work with Alex to make this a reality, like send us an email. Let's talk about it and make it a project because I think that would be so cool. I'd love to draft a team. Let's move on to our primary topic of the week. And it is a good one. I mean, I say that every week, but uh, this one's also <laughs> good. Today, we're going to be talking all about gear and you know what we feel like we need when we're playing polo to make sure we're having the most fun and being as safe as possible so i'm just going to start it off guys i'm going to ask you you're going to the polo court to play some pickup right regular sunday afternoon pickup what are you packing what do you got to bring who wants to go first uh for a long time i didn't bring any balls because i was i was relying on other people to have their own balls and then i realized that's a bad idea so now I bring a shitload of balls. I bring uh, beverages, bike tools. Sometimes I bring... Uh, How many mallets beverage. do you bring, Liam? I rock two now. Used to be just one. Are uh, they the same? No, they're different. But I don't know. I just thought it would be good to have a backup in case one breaks or to loan out somebody. What kind of mallets are you using? Give the give these people a quick... Oh, they want the, they want the details, do they? Yeah, yeah, people want to know what... Yeah, I feel like I pretend I'm not a big gearhead, but like, I don't know. Everyone's a gearhead. <laughs> Deep in their heart, it, they're a gearhead. I feel like crafting your pole, like the equipment you use and what what equipment you you have, whether you've bought it or you've DIY'd it, like the gear is kind of a big part of polo. Yeah, yeah. I got two Perot del Mallet. One of them is the heavy one, the machete, I think, and the other one's the maestro. And I've got, I think I've got one of the Perot heads plus uh, the other one's just a good head, I think solid i i like them i especially like the heavy ones like i realized the thinner mallets seem to bend a lot quicker and they're definitely don't they don't handle up to the scrutiny as the thick ones like you know i've had it for over two years now and it's still fairly straight and it's held up hasn't broken so sturdy sturdy mallets are important and um i don't know the heads i'm just like i, I kind of go whatever whatever's got a nice taper so you can do the scoop you can do the scoop tricks that nobody uh <laughs> nobody really cares about i think the the big thing is that you you bring mallets with you to polo right yeah sorry <laughs> getting into the nitty-gritty mallets <laughs> well i'm trying to think what else would i load yeah in there. i mean so i have i have a bag that i keep is like dedicated it's it's because uh, i never i don't want to be remembering like what i bring or what i don't bring um i just have like a bike polo backpack and in that backpack i have one or two balls depending on you know, honestly, it, the ball count depends entirely on how many I've broken playing uh, solo polo. But I'll keep balls, uh, gloves. My helmet stays attached to that bag. So to me, that's the core. Like my mallets stay on my bike. I've got the top tube cover that my mallets stay on. So I've got bike. I've got and then I've got everything I need for polo. I can just pick up that bag because a lot of the time if I'm rushing out to pick up, I am coming back from something and rushing out to pick up. So I just come back, grab my polo bike, mallets are on the polo bike, check that there's air in the tires. Um, I leave my pump at home. I don't bring a pump with me to the court. Sometimes I wish I had a pump at the court, but usually just put, make sure the air, air in the tires are good. And then in my bag, it's gloves. Uh, my shoes stay in that bag, which is actually terrible sometimes because they can get rank if I don't take them out after. Uh, <laughs> I've played match. before and like people have been like, Alex, you have to throw out your gloves. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because my <laughs> like gloves and shoes stay in that bag. Well, it's like the hockey bag, right? Same. Exactly. I, I actually it's, have it's an aerosol thing by my front door now that my partner bought just so that I can spray it in that bag. Like I come back from Polo now and I like spray the stuff in there and that 
since I've started doing that, the amount of complaints from the club has gone down significantly. Like it used to be, I would roll up on like a league night and I could like open my bag and people would like clear out from that side of the bench. Cause it was just, it was, it was nasty. Like, it was bad. <laughs> and it was outside too. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. social distancing before it was a thing. Yeah. The most stank bag for me, like, <laughs> honestly same as everyone i i usually bring a pair of gloves but i've been changing my glove game up a lot recently i'm playing with a lot more just like full finger mountain bike gloves and less of the um kind of like ball hockey or lacrosse gloves that a lot of people are using in tournaments or in more competitive play i will put one glove on my stick hand but my right hand the one on my handlebar there it's staying it's staying in a full finger hockey glove and that's cost me in a couple places where it's gotten pinched by someone's bar in but I like the extra mobility and kind of the lighter feeling of it on the brake lever. I find that sometimes my fingers get caught on uh, lacrosse gloves and stuff on each other. So I like that in my bag. I got a dedicated bag similar to Alex. I got a few pads on there that I usually don't wear a helmet, some water. I bring a ton of balls and I bring a whole quiver of mallets in case someone wants to borrow one, but that's about it. Maybe a first aid kit if uh, it's going to be pretty rough and tumble, but that's about it. Really keep it basic keep it light, but make it really functional. You can tell Gavin's the bike polo dad because he's got the first aid kit. Yeah, Like every every club needs one, you know? (laughs) You're doing triangle bandages on someone's broken collarbone, you know? It's good to have every once in a while. So you think the like the hockey, the lacrosse gloves, you find them too bulky? I love the lacrosse lacrosse gloves. I've got the Breen. The Breens, I think they're perfect. I think they're the best lightweight, but I, I definitely... I, I see what Gavin means by like you, you do lose like it's a trade-off, right? The more padding you have almost always you're giving up mobility for it. Mm-hmm. I use it on the stick hand because yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd be smashing your fingers in a lot of places, especially in tournaments, but I don't want my hands to be in good shape all weekend. But uh, like if I'm doing solo polo, I'm usually wearing my full fingers, um, just mountain bike gloves. And I kind of just started using them for pickup too, because I like them more. They're just more sleek and minimalist. I definitely believe that if you want to get the most out of your solo polo, you should practice with the equipment you're going to play in. I try really hard, even though it's kind of stupid to practice with the same mallet that I want to play with in tournaments. Like I'd rather spend the hours practicing with that mallet. And then even if I wear it out faster, uh, be familiar with it than have like a pickup mallet versus a tournament mallet. I know a lot of people, they do that distinction, but like I definitely gloves, shoes, helmet, I try, I will wear the same setup for solo polo that I want to, to be, uh, to play with dress for success. Exactly. Yeah. It's good uh, to be consistent, but I don't know. I, I don't like wearing out my good shit in uh, solo polo. I mean, maybe it's just a, a first world polo thing, but I'll just buy an extra, I'll buy an extra head and just go through two of them in the season. Oh, I also, um, I just remembered I bring the banner, the mallets of mayhem banner. That's true. Liam's the banner man. Banner. Yeah, that's how we recruit, it- uh, a player every year yep <laughs> we uh put it up on the well actually i don't know if people actually look at it <laughs> we can't be sure if the banner pretty, was the, we we can't be sure if the banner was the reason but we know it contributed yeah just it's it a there. beautiful banner i'm happy we have it. it just shows people what we're doing okay <laughs> a question we get a lot of um from newer players is you know what kind of pads should i be wearing what because you when you go to a pickup game it seems like everyone has a different idea of what padding belongs in bike pole and what different sets are what do you what do you guys like to wear what are your takes on this so i think especially for new players you should wear whatever you feel comfortable whatever makes you feel comfortable if if you 
are some like i know some people are worried about their shins and like i think to be honest i don't think you need shin pads in bike polo i think it's like so fluky that you would get hit in the shin but if you care about your shins if if wearing shin pads is going to make you feel better as a new player to go out there and put yourself out there then i think you should wear shin pads until you realize that you don't need shin pads and then you 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 can make that decision for yourself i think once you get that experience you'll arrive at that conclusion pretty quickly but if you need if those pads help you get out there then like by all means use them i think um yeah i didn't wear any but they could have saved me a lot of uh pain and 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 grief like especially when i was trying to learn how to like wheelie uh, turn and stuff like that and like i'm probably gonna have to relearn how to do that (laughs) like having having some sort of hip protection and like elbow protection would have saved me a lot of just like smacking the the pavement and like it would have been easier to get back because like sometimes i would just smack and i'd be like i'm done for for the next week i can't do this anymore it just hurts too much (laughs) if i had some sort of padding i could probably put in more time of practice and more time of playing if I, you know, just wasn't stubborn and was like, I don't need that shit. It's whatever. It's a good point for beginner players. Like wear what makes you comfortable, what keeps you feeling safe. I have permanent bone spurs on my left elbow from trying to learn to wheelie turn. So um, those will be there forever and probably wouldn't be if I had worn elbow pads. And I'm the kind of person I bring elbow and knee pads every time I go to play polo. And I only put them on when it seems like the polo is getting to the point where we're playing fast and it's getting a bit more competitive, then I'll slip them on. Or if I know I'm playing against some particular players, I might be more likely to wear them. Um, but I definitely don't wear them all the time, but you know, in tournament situations, I'm almost always wearing my pads. Yeah. I I actually think for new players, like I didn't wear elbow pads until I hurt my elbow when I lost like two weeks of near the, the first season that I played, I guess that would be the big thing is I think, when you're new, you look out there and not many people play with elbow pads. Cause I think a lot of vets, they're cumbersome and they're a pain. Um, I think a lot of vets don't play with them, but I think if there's one, if I could say the most underrated pad, it's probably elbow pads. Like yeah. you should absolutely have a helmet. You should absolutely have gloves. Those are just essentials, but you see almost everybody has them knee pads. I think make a lot of sense if you're new, but you see those everywhere. I would push a new player that's on the fence to go knee pads, elbow pads, helmet and gloves. And you're probably good with that. But if you want more, like by all means, we don't want people to be wearing shoulder pads here, Alex, you know what I mean? You're getting them all (laughs) dressed up, but you can get some pretty sweet minimalist pads. If you have the money to spend on them, that'll save you a lot of grief and not be too uncomfortable. Kind of like an arm sleeve, you know, that, that, that's what I wear. I, as far as my pads go, like I have the, what are they? The Exa pro, like just those thin, thin foam pads that sort of you pull, they slide over anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I don't, I don't want a big, I know some people, there's been some people advocate for like the big uh, like DH pads where like you can, you know, they've got the big hard plastic coating on top of the fabric. Um, I think that's overkill. Cause you're not like, by the time you have that type of padding, like a football or like some other kind of pad, like that to me is too much. And I'd actually be worried about hurting other players if I'm making contact with them while I'm wearing that kind of pad. And I think that's, that's actually like, that's an interesting talking point too, is how much is too much. Like, I think if you are a more physical player, you have, you should have less, if you're going to be physical, you should have less pads than the people you're hitting. I mean, it's kind of hard to control what other people are wearing though. You know, like, mm. I don't think, yeah, but I don't think the pads are, I think like, if you're, I understand you're, what you're saying. Yeah. If you're going out there, if, if you're covering yourself up with a bunch of pads because you're worried about getting hurt and nobody else is, and you're the one causing all the conflict, then 
maybe you're the problem. <laughs> well, that, that goes that's into what, a, that's what I'm saying. I think that goes into a whole talk about you know refereeing and stuff. Because yeah, I think the pads are there to protect you from yeah like incidental contact and you know crashes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or like you know for me, I would just wear them because if I crashed on my own, I wouldn't want to totally debilitate myself. Yeah. But yeah, I, if someone's I, like bulking up and and so that they can be they can throw their you know bike around more, it's like well, I don't know. I would yeah, I would agree with you. It's not really yeah. safe. The, the pads are there for like you said, incidental contact only. Like I I only play with knee pads and gloves and a helmet. Helmet is just safe. You know the the risk versus reward is so much higher. Your hand hands or like gloves is because like your hands are going to get like mouths come up. It just it's nicer to have them. And then knee pads because if people wipe out, like my knee's the only thing that hits the ground, right? I like that. I think that's fair. I think those are good. I think elbow, knee, helmet, gloves. That's probably what most people wear. But what about the face cage? This one that is the one that divides people. Face cage. Personally, I think I don't love playing with a face cage, but I see the merit and I will play with them if I'm going to be playing a lot of hard, like aggressive polo. I'll put the face cage on. Now I have thinned my face cage out a little bit. So it has a few less bars. But for me, like every time I see someone do a raclette or a freedom block, you know, the move I'm talking about where you bend over, you put your mallet flat on the ground and they're not wearing a face cage. I'm just wincing. Like, it's just a matter of time before a ball flicks up off that mallet shaft, smokes someone in the eye. I've seen people lose teeth and stuff. It's, it's bad. And I honestly, if you're someone out there that is wearing, this is my take, but if you're someone out there that is a defensive goalie type player that does a lot of mallet raclettes and freedom blocks, like get a face cage, please. I mean, I think as long as you have something over your, like to me, it's the eye protection is the biggest thing. Like, I mean, I wear glasses, so I pretty much always have glasses on when I'm on the court, but I have, when, when I played with contacts, I would have a face cage. I just, I want something to protect my eyes more than anything else. I, I don't really care about the rest of my face. I just, you know, the, the eyes just are where the it's eyes. On. Just the eyes. Yeah. You don't care about your teeth. Yeah. Teeth are expensive. Wait, they are. Yeah. Braces. I did. I had, I had braces. Think, growing think of up. all that money yeah. your parents spent getting you a nice smile. I had double jaw surgery and I'm like, yeah, I'm protecting that. I guess that's a reason for, I, you know, I, I actually have like titanium screws in my jaw. Surgery. So that's why you use a cage? Then? Osteotomy. Well, I don't know. It just makes sense. Yeah. Mallets, balls flying everywhere. Like, well, a shout out to our guy, our friend, Matt Piersma in K-Dub. I don't know if we've told the story when he was like second, first or second day playing polo, somebody ripped the ball. Was it Justin? Yeah, it was Justin. I think it was Justin. <laughs> yes. Justin ripped the ball, bounced off the net, and just took out his front tooth. Yeah, it hit the crossbar and deflected up into his face. Like yeah. super weird. As a new player, I was like, oh my God, I'm <laughs> I mean, like, that, I that's scared. the turning point, right? Like if you I feel like with new players, you see it all the time where like uh it's easy to come out to polo until you get hurt and then you're either in or you're out. <laughs> and like, it's a good, it's a good thing for the polo community that uh, Matt decided he was, he was in. <laughs> yeah, we love yes. that guy. Yeah. And you know what? It's pretty, it takes a lot of guts to get your tooth knocked out here a second time. And then come time. back. And then come yeah. back. It's like, I'm going to get good at this. I mean, I've seen a lot of people that they were kind of, you know, they thought it was cool. They were into it. And even three, four months into their first season, if, if they get hurt, like actually hurt, they're like, yeah, why would I ever want to do this? And it, it's hard to argue with them, you know, especially if you get like a nasty injury, like. Well, we okay. talked about face cages, but what about uh, the thing they're attached to helmets? Even, I guess there's the whole road cycling debate about helmets, I suppose. Not road cycling, but like general cycling debate about helmets, whether or not they are mm-hmm. good. I know in our club, Liam, we have a lot of players, well, a good number of players that are like really anti-helmet and like they're messengers that work without a helmet on. They've never rode bikes with a helmet on. And 
whenever we host a tournament and we're like, okay, guys, helmets are mandatory. They're always upset. Um, oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's a debate. few people and they've all got different reasons, but yeah, I think, um, yeah. Like people that have ridden bikes for a long and people that ride bikes for like their work and they don't wear helmets. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's just no, yeah, you're right. There's just no, you're not going to convince them to wear a helmet for their own, uh, their own safety, but it becomes a liability issue when you're running a tournament or something like that. Obviously some tournaments, they're just like, no, you got to play with a helmet. It's in our agreement with renting this court or whatever, you know, or in like world championships and stuff. I'm pretty sure a helmet is required. Right. Yeah. As far as I know. Yeah. I mean, I hate, I hate telling people what to do. Like I, I, I hate having to tell people like you have to put a helmet on or whatever. Obviously if part of the rental agreement is that you have to have helmets on, you got to, you got to do it. I think, a lot of the players I see, especially like messengers that are used to it, like they know what they're doing. Obviously some of it is out of your control, but I don't think it's as bad. Like I'm definitely, I are on the side of the debate where I know some people say, you know, everyone should just have a helmet. Why not? Like I kind of, I want to let people do whatever they want to do, but increasingly as, especially in a big city like Toronto, it's hard for us to get a court at all. And oftentimes telling the city or telling people that everyone has a helmet on is part of how we can get court space. I don't want to tell people what to do, but if you're jeopardizing our access to the court because you don't want to put a helmet on, uh, that's, that's shitty. Yeah, for sure. I think that is a big part of it. I mean, it's in pickup and just like you meet in a park, you play like a lot of people don't wear helmets and you don't like, who am I to say to them? No, you have to put a helmet on if you want to play pickup with us in a public park that we're not paying <laughs> for. But yeah. in a tournament where I'm hosting, I know I feel a lot safer and more comfortable some people are wearing helmets because it's scary hosting a tournament and knowing that someone could get seriously injured. Let's be real. It happens. Like, I think if you look at a full, a regular full, not 2020 season, but like a regular, let's say we have five, six tournaments in North sides, statistically speaking, I think we're looking at probably one injury a year within our region, at least. Right. Oh, more than that. Probably, like a serious like, injury. Like, like one, someone broke a bone or something worse. Injury. I'd probably say two to three, like one every two tournaments. We're getting a like a severely sprained, like a cast, basically. Like, like someone's out for a while from yeah. a club, at least. Um, and hope, you know, sometimes it is more serious than that. Uh, and that's only the tournaments. It's not even counting pickups. So on the one hand, it sounds like, I know it seems crazy. It's like, oh, it's not going to happen. Just be careful. And there is definitely something to be said for the fact that I think I think it tends to be newer players that get hurt the most. Like it is as people get more experience, they learn to avoid crashes for the most part and they learn how to fall, but you can't control everything. And it, it does, it happens frequently enough that I think it's not, it's not crazy to insist on, on people having gear. I think maybe where the helmet thing comes from or like the anti helmet thing is just sort of a, you know, the, the roots of polo being a sort of DIY punk thing, right? Like kind of going against the bike, establishment of being like this very like i don't know part of the thing that's appealing about riding a bike is like kind of the, is the freedom and the sort oh, of totally. aspect of like con you're yeah. in control of your own destiny <laughs> you can do what you want but like i think maybe people get uh or they or they start to feel like it's not conformist but, but it's like helmets are like regulated right governments and stuff to wear helmets and whatnot and i don't know i can think of games of polo where it's just like it's very low-key and very chill and it's not like by not wearing a helmet, you're not really risking that much. It's it's low speed or whatever. The thing that worries me most is like is high speed crashes and just like you don't have time to like put out your hand and you don't have time to brace yourself. Yeah. You might just or or like high speed or your brakes stop working and you can't 
stop before the uh, the wall or something. I, I broke three pairs of glasses off my face with before I started wearing a helmet when I did BMX. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that I, I, it was after the third one. I'm like, all right, those, that, those are all my extra lives. Like, yeah, it's I've, true. I've, got, I've gotten away with this. I've come so close to a serious injury. Uh, like, and there were Damn. times I like, you know, I, I realize I'm upside down before I even realize I'm falling, and I just like tuck my chin in, and my glasses get smashed off my face, but my head didn't get hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, guys, just uh, keep us moving here. I'm curious. So we kind of talked about what's in our bag if we're going to go play pickup. Does that change if you're going to a tournament? What extra things would you bring to a tournament or different things than you would to pick up? I think the biggest difference I'll bring for a tournament, and this changed after we went to Milwaukee, is I bring a raincoat and an extra sweater, (laughs) no matter what. Like, I don't care what the forecast is. I don't care if it's (laughs) supposed to be nice out. the, The reality of polo tournaments are that, like, sometimes you're just in a park for the whole day, and it could get, you know, it could rain, it could get crappy and so i keep stuff to keep warm now fair really fair i try to bring a chair to a tournament Mm. somewhere i can sit down that's my big tip because if you're standing all day in the sun playing bike polo like it can be exhausting and just having a place to sit that isn't like because you don't really honestly know if they're going to be bleachers or just cement where you're going um another one that i bring is sunglasses i won't i'm not a huge sunglasses wearer um i don't wear them very often but if i'm going to a polo tournament I know that if it's sunny out, my eyes get so fatigued throughout the day that uh, the sunglasses help a lot. Ample amounts of sunscreen. I'm always the guy doling that out for anyone that needs it. If you need some and I'm at the tournament, I have some, okay? Come (laughs) see me or I'll I'll give you some sunscreen because I don't want anyone getting sunburned. That's the worst. But I think those are the three big things and then extra water and snacks and stuff. But uh, other than that, most of the same gear, just all my best gear because uh, you got to play. What about you, Liam? Does it Maybe, change for uh, you? Um, yeah, I suppose I bring things for my uh, overnighter things. Yeah, I mean, but when you're a coming book. to the court, like, what do you bring into the court? Yeah, I don't know. All the same game supplies, I guess. Yeah, I suppose a book or something to keep occupied between your long, unless you're gonna like go do something. I don't like to do that. I prefer to just stick around and hang out with the vibes. Yeah, for sure. Um, Unless yeah, it's mo- raining. Mo- most like, of the time for me, if, if we traveled to a polo tournament for a tournament, like I'm there for the polo, I'm there to hang out with people. I'm there to talk to people. Um, I'm not like going to play our games and then dip out and do something else. I know some people do that, but that usually if they're doing that, it's because they have something else in that city that they want to do too. And they're like double dipping on their, their weekend. And like, that's cool too. It depends um, on the city. I mean, if I've never been to the city before and I want to try like what the regional style of pizza is. I'm going to go check it out, you know, but yeah. if I've been to Toronto and I live there before, I'm probably going to spend the whole time at the court. Let's move on here to everyone's favorite segment, the mailbag. Mailbag. Yeah, we got a great email this week from uh, Seth, who I believe you two are familiar with. I'm, I'm guessing by the content of the email. Well, Seth writes, hey, guys, was just thinking, writing guys, that it would be great if you had a WTF player chiming in for every episode. Being stoked on your podcast in these non-polo days, definitely filling a void and keeping me motivated. Also feels good knowing that I got to share time on the court with Alex and Gavin in Great Lakes Winter Classic 2019. Not so long ago, one of my greatest polo moments was scoring a goal with my face, thanks to an assist by Gavin from his from behind his own okay. net. Uh, would love a Bloor Street Checkers Club versus Low Riders rematch someday. 
Shout out to Em and Shelly for being such awesome teammates. Liam, I'm sure you're also a great dude. Thank you. So for, <laughs> for parts on the bike giving performance advantage in goal, sloping oversized top tube to reduce the triangle space, keeping your outward facing foot at the top of the pedal stroke and the largest possible chain ring to cover the five hole. Haven't thought of it that much as I've been <laughs> seeing a few bent chain rings from hard shots and just dropped all the way down to 30 T myself. I guess a large ring guard would also do the trick. Anyway, thanks for putting out so many episodes and I really appreciate your focus on good content. Polo love, heart, Seth. P.S. What is the weight on the Enforcer 1.3? Would love to shave some weight, but probably love playing on my tiny IRO too much. Okay, well, there's a lot to answer in this email. And I think <laughs> I'll start off just at the top of this email where he talks about, you know, I would love to have a WTF player chiming in every episode. Honestly, Seth, so would we. Um, we talk a lot about trying to get more representation on this show. So I'll just throw it out there. If you are a WTF player and you listen to our podcast and want to get involved, we will make you a host. If you live in North sides and you want to get involved and be on our podcast regularly, we will make you a host and we'll just start a host rotation. Just reach out to us, send us an email, DM our Instagram, whatever you need to do. But, uh, yeah, we'd be happy to teach you about podcasting and get you on because we agree. We it is a bit silly that we got three dudes here and we should be more representative of uh, our region as a whole. What do you guys think about his uh, ideas for making yourself a more effective goalie? There's a line here, right? Like this is, this is, this has been an <laughs> oh, arms race before. This has been the arms race. Like if you go, if you go back through the, the Mr. Do video archives, there's some pretty heated discussion about uh, how much add-ons you can put on your bike when you're in net. Like is the, is the beer koozie, uh, legit. If if the beer koozie blocks a shot, is that do you count that as a goal? Um, I mean, I think most people are on the the fence that like if you put those weird triangle bags through your triangle, like that's not allowed. That's that's just oh, yeah. ridic- that's just For ridiculous. Sure. Uh, but obviously, wheel covers are allowed. I I feel like an oversized chainring guard is uh, is I've done it. Uh, that's on the fence. That's on the fence. I I I feel like that's technically allowed. But if you went if you got too carried away with it then I could see that getting added to the... Like it nearly scrapes the ground. Yeah, I, like you get just a big goofy <laughs> thing on there. <laughs> I had this massive red one that I was using just because I didn't have one. It wasn't thought, that massive though. It was It was like it was like a 50-tooth guard. It was like a 50-tooth guard on a 30-tooth ring. So yeah. you were getting like an extra centimeter. I'm talking about no, like no, if it you was got at least double two centimeters that. on each side. Okay, man. but but it was it was a still like a normal size for like yeah. a bash guard. It wasn't like some it wasn't like almost scraping the ground or anything. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> what do you think of his like foot position ideas though? Like one at the bottom, one mm. at the top. I think that makes sense. Like it covers more space, but at the same time makes you less able to like react because you're in a dead point in your pedal stroke. Yeah, I, I actually try to keep mine uh, at 45s so that I can quickly, if the shot's going through my bottom bracket, I can quickly backpedal. So my goaltender position is I will preload my front wheel where I, I kind of like T-Rex style or like Raptor style, like bend, bend down and put all my weight on my front brake and I, I engage the brake so that I can push off to get backwards fast. And if the ball's going for my... Um, or I can just release the brake to fly forward to block something. And I usually position my bike in a way that um, my back wheels against the post. So I don't need to go backwards usually, but if I want to close up my, my five hole, I can quickly just sort of step down and back pedal and my foot will very quickly cover the position, but I'm still in a place that I can pedal out of. I think that to me, that's the optimal position, but it's uh, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. What do you guys do? 
Yeah, I'm at nine and three. I just think um, the marginal gains I'm gaining from that, like I'm never going to pedal backwards. I just don't think that way. I'm trying to get my wheels in front of the ball or the mallet. And I just think being more like able to put power down into my pedal stroke quickly and pop forward or do a little wheelie. I just, that's my take on it, but I'm also not a great goalie. So maybe Liam, talk. Liam's the expert better than I am. Man. <laughs> Me, I just do crazy calf exercises to try and thicken up my calves <laughs> so that they're just as fat as possible. And that will block the shot. Okay. Doesn't matter what this, what's the doesn't matter what for position the your feet are in. How does the pad block work? Yeah, I don't know. That's how he does it. Pray, pray that uh, the two people on offense score a lot, <laughs> and that you don't have to do too much defending. <laughs> Hold on, but we did we skipped over one important thing. What this uh, scoring a goal oh. off of his face versus Gavin? What, do you remember That's what happened here, Gavin? So if I remember correctly, <laughs> and it was a while ago, I played in a few tournaments since then. But I remember I had the ball behind my net, and this player was kind of going around the net to meet me on the other side. So I thought I'd do something cheeky and kind of scoop the ball over my own net and then pick it up on the other side while he was coming back to my, like around the net. Mm -hmm. So I scooped it up over the net, got it over the net, but then it just hit his helmet and went in our goal. (laughs) That Um, was one of three own goals Gavin had on that day. Like we, we finished in the bottom of that seating because we scored so many own goals on ourselves that turn. That was like that was the worst like chemistry that I've ever seen a team start with because we we got it together by the end of that tournament. I felt like we played very very well. Yeah. On the Sunday, but man, that Friday was <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was it was, and I think that that just happens when you're not a new player, but an intermediate level player that's trying to take that next step and really make a splash at you know what is a pretty competitive tournament. You've got to kind of start to develop skills that are a bit more advanced and maybe you're not ready to use them in a game situation, but you're never going to learn how to use them if you don't try. And I think, you know, doing these fancy scoops and like bottom bracket shots and endo pivot uh, deeks and things like this, like, yeah, it's fancy. And when you first start doing it, you're going to get the ball turned over a lot. You're going to probably score own goals, but if you never take those bumps, you're never going to learn how to use them. So, I mean, I think we're still pretty early on in our polo career, I hope, and we're still learning things. But at that point, I was just learning how to scoop and endo pivot and things. And I'm sure we made a lot of mistakes, but as the weekend went on, we tightened it up. And it was live, live by the scoop, die by the scoop. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And there's one more, uh, the weight on the Enforcer 1-3. Do you know uh, how much yours ended up weighing? Or I haven't I saw- weighed it, Seth, to be honest. Um, but I will tell you, I picked up a box of four Enforcer 1-3s frame and fork uh with one arm carried it up four flights of stairs while opening doors and was easily able to get into my apartment so they're very light uh what gavin's saying is that he's been working out during quarantine (laughs) don't tell there was the dude uh there was the guy from uh lexington or seattle was it uh he he posted his on instagram and it was 17 pounds all built my god which is very what was, light. <laughs> what was Jimmy's concept? What was Jimmy's? Oh, uh, that bike's probably lighter. Yeah, that 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 is the lightest polo bike I've ever seen. But I bet you you could get the Enforcer One Three to a very comparable place. Yeah, 
it's, 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 it's aluminum, right? It's, it's an, like that was the that was the thing. And if you put the right components on it, it could be even lighter. Now my components are a little heavy, so it's probably not under 20 pounds. But uh, even if it comes in at like 22, 23, which is what I'd estimate, I think that's still pretty light for a pole bike. Swap swap that out for uh, an AliExpress carbon fork, and you could even knock down a couple more pounds. <laughs> probably, probably, maybe I will, maybe I will. I mean, I'm not going to go to carbon wheels though. I think that's where a lot of the weight savings. Are. I really want to go carbon wheels. I think that'd be fantastic, but. <laughs> I don't have the funds for it right now. Yeah. What's our beer point, guys? Yeah, the beer point is uh, the old discussion of uh, joust versus face-off. So uh, what do you prefer? What should be the standard? Uh, can, can we just say one, two, three, and then we both say what we prefer? All right. One, two, three, joust. Joust. face-off. What? Oh, see? We have <laughs> a difference I thought this opinion. was going to be like a one, two, three, we all say face-off, and then that's the end of the episode. <laughs> You're a big face-off guy, Alex. Explain yourself. When you when you do a face off, you don't end up plowing into each other and getting hurt. It's not like the most dangerous part of the game. Um, face offs are just sweet. There, I think there's a lot more play that can happen in the face off. Like you you end up um, the joust. Like you accelerate. It creates this. I feel like there's so many goals because it puts at least one player out of position. And then if you're trying to run an offense through the joust, it's like it just becomes this headache. And I, I feel like the joust is just such a. I love the I like how iconic the joust is and the fact that it's called a joust. But at the end of the day, there's a reason every other sport that plays on a court like this, like basketball, hockey, basically everything, soccer, they start with a face-off of some kind instead of a joust because it's crazy. Yeah. But but the face off the face off has the face off has more play to it. Like you can you can do the the classic my favorite thing on the face off is you go one, two, three and you just hit their mallet out of the way. Like you don't even go for the ball. Um, there, there, there's just there's so many different like just cheesy interesting things you can do on a face-off and that's the whole point is you can be cheesy and interesting with it if you try to be interesting or innovate too much with a joust people get hurt yeah I kind of like left that, and though. lefties can face off well like, can, what is I, Gavin talking about you don't even get to joust I do joust I just reach across and it's yeah. totally fine I don't or lefty joust because I don't have the same extension you can lefty joust or you can reach across they both work they just have to be a little more in control and I probably wouldn't do it in a tournament, but I don't know. I like the joust. I think it's iconic and it sets us apart from those other games. And you know what, if it's done right and it's officiated correctly, it's not that dangerous in my opinion, but uh, I don't know. I feel like just that random ball bouncing out somewhere. is kind of interesting to start the game. It kind of puts us on an even playing field, kind of like a tip ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Awesome. I have to agree with Gavin. It's uh, it's cool. It's what keeps Polo, uh, this keeps polo unique and different from other sports. Do they do it in horse polo? Yeah. There's no way they joust in horse polo. <laughs> Could you well, they joust, well, No, they used There's to joust on no horses in, uh, in medieval times. <laughs> yeah, but that was like a, they wear armor, and that was the whole the whole sport was jousting. There's oh, no right. way they joust in horse polo. All right. Before we get well, if anyone the... if anyone's a horse polo player, they can email us at yeah. uh, Northside Polo Podcast. Yeah, Northside Polo Podcast at gmail.com. That's Northside Polo Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your emails. Send us your ideas. Send us your questions. Whatever we're bored. stories you want to remind us of, of us scoring on our own nets, send it in and we will talk about it. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to have your email featured on our podcast. And we meant what we said. If you are a woman, trans, femme identifying player in Northside region, and you want to get into podcasting, you feel like you can contribute something to this show. Or you just want to talk about bike polo on a regular yeah. basis. Cause DM that's, us. That, that's the inspiration of the show was just 
we talk to each other about bike polo all the time. And in these times we figured we may as well record it and put it out there. We'd love to have you on the show and for you to be a regular part of it. All right. Until next time, guys, keep your rubber side down. And remember, it's not about how many times you dab. It's about how many times you tap back in. Until next time, signing off. Bye for now. Bye.